Golf Show. All about golf, from putting to driving, from hooks to whatever. Now, here's your host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, Rich Stiles. Welcome to the show. Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Bridgestone Golf. Try the Torby Ball today. By the club at Palms. By RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic, giving back to our community. By Club Car, leader in sport, utility, and personal vehicles. And by CJ'sItalianRestaurant.com. For the best deep dish around and thin crust, try CJ'sItalianRestaurant.com. On the show, we're going to talk with Golf Digest Top 50 coach Martin Chuck, who has worked with uh, PGA major winners Darren Clark and Mike Weir. We'll also talk with Austin Powell, a former top amateur golfer and now CEO of AppStats, uh, which helps golfers improve through analytics, which is now the next big thing that they're working with, trying to find out how they hit this club and this club and what to hit inside what yardage. And he is currently working with PGA Tour star Ben Coles. We're also going to talk with Trevor Smith, former player on the College of Coastal Georgia's two-time NAIA championship teams. Trevor is now a certified TPI personal trainer uh, with T. Smith Golf Fitness. And good morning, Trevor. Thanks for being with us on the Back Nine Boys. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me. You know, you have played golf and now you're a TPI certified trainer. Uh, That was a big transition. do you like training or do you like playing better? Um, I don't really have a favorite, if I'm being totally honest. I really enjoyed playing competitively. Uh, I'm enjoying the uh, non-competition now. It's a lot less stressful. Um, but I am enjoying uh, I'm enjoying the training uh, a lot as well right now. So like, um, I, I, uh, I'm starting to notice a huge correlation between uh, the better you do in the gym, the healthier your body is, the better golf you're going to play. You not only gaining distance and getting uh, increasing power off the tee, but also like there's a lot, a uh, lot fewer uh, nagging pains and um, just you know, my body, uh, your body just feels better and just feels healthier. Yeah, understand that. And you have uh, done through the TPI, you have kind of an evaluation. T- take us through what happens when you meet with somebody for the first time. So when you come and see me for the first time, you'll go through uh, a consultation. Uh, normally what we'll start off with is uh, goals and motivation. So I just want to find out, you know, why you're here. What do you want to get better at? You know, like if, it, if it's something if it's only golf related or is there something on the outside, um, off the course, um, that you want to be healthier, I don't know, like if you want to be healthier for your grandkids, uh, for your kids, like spend more time with them or your spouse, um, just figuring out, you know, what's your motivation, why you're there. And then after, once I gather all that information, um, I'll go into, uh, the TPI physical screen. So the TPI physical screen is a 16 step assessment that uh, checks your flexibility, mobility, and stability throughout like your whole body to um, as it relates to the golf swing. So I can go through the screen and you know if you have an issue with uh, internal rotation of the trail of your trail hip, um, odds are you're probably I can tell that you're more likely going to be swaying in your backswing. Mm-hmm. 
or have hmm. a reverse or have a reverse spine angle. Interesting. Um, uh, go on. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Sorry. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, once we're done with the screen, uh, we will, um, based off of the results, I'll be able to, um, come up with a corrective routine. So this is something, um, it'll take about 15 minutes, maybe, um, uh, that you can do every single day to, to help work on those limitations found in the screen. And then once we, and then I'll, once we go through that, then I'll just showcase a, and then I'll, we'll talk about long-term options from there. If there's a long-term training that, uh, that individual wants. And when you go through that, um, are there clients that you work with? Are they surprised what you found during this assessment that, maybe they didn't think that they were doing wrong or needed improvement on? Um, a lot of the times, a lot of the times they know what, um, what they, they know, um, what the problem is or what swing characteristic they have. A lot of the times they don't understand. They don't know the why. So like, like I'm referring back to, I've had a few people, uh, I'll show them the list. Uh, like I, like I, like I showed you of, um, uh, like what swing characteristics they're most like, to most likely to have. And they may say like, yeah, I remember, I remember my swing instructor saying, yeah, I've been swaying or I early extend. And then I would explain to them based off of the results uh, on the screen is like, yeah. So the reason why you're swaying is because you do have a limitation of internal rotation, in your trail hip. So it will, once we loosen that up, then you'll be able to load up into that rear leg into that trail leg and actually be able to rotate around. So you won't be, and then uh, you won't be swaying so much anymore. So a lot of the things that you find out in this assessment through uh, being a TPI certified trainer is the weaknesses that somebody has that needs to have improvement. And then you work with them to improve those so they become a strength and not a weakness. Exactly. Yes. Um, you know, if it's hard to play, it's hard to um oh, one of the things I, I hear a lot um, is I'll have people come in and they say that, hey, my swing instructor wants me in this position, but for some reason I can't get in that position. It's not because it's not because they it's not because they're not smart or not because uh, nothing like that. It's just because their body can't move that way. And if your body can't move efficiently, then you're always going to have these problems. It doesn't really matter how many swing lessons you get or what cues your um your swing instructor gives you if you can't do the movement that they want you to do, then it's not, it's not, it's just not going to work. Okay. So somebody that sways and you're going to work with them with the trail hip, how long yes, would you have to work with them in order for them to improve and see a result of not swaying and being able to get back where they need to go? Um, it depends on the individual, honestly, right, like some, right. some, um, uh, some people who have had this issue for a really long time, they got, it took them a long time to get into this position. So it may take longer than the average person. Um, like, like I said, it just, it just depends. Um, I would say what I, what I would tell people is, um, I normally give out four to six week programs. So it's like, okay. if you just give me about four to six weeks, this will, um, whatever, um, you are like, whatever, some characteristic you have a high in. I, I, we, it will get better, um, by just being consistent. That's one of the main things too, is that it's not going, this isn't going to be a one-time fix 
This is going to be something that uh, we will work together at that will, um, that, yeah, like I said, that we'll work together at to get to where we need to be. And, it, and, it, and it's a process. I mean, as you said, you're not going to get better by improving that weakness right away because it's something that you have to do uh, for several weeks, as you said, four to six weeks. But if they're consistently working at it and you're working with them to show them how, how they can improve, it will definitely improve the weakness that they have. Exactly. Yeah. Consistency is key here. You know, yeah. like I said, you're never going to get, never going to fix it immediately, but if you, if you stick to it and you can, and you're consistent, you keep doing the same and you keep doing the, the things that are getting you uh, down the right path, you, you'll, you'll stay there. Yeah. And improving their swing with all those things that you found out on the analysis and the assessment. Um, the other thing that I think a lot of people really don't understand is that it's very hard to play your best golf and be able to get in those positions that you're talking about in the assessment, if they just get out of their car and go to the first tee, touch their toes, swing a couple times, they're not going to be at their best state that they can have to play golf. That that is a hundred percent correct, and that's something that I harp on a lot with my with my clients. Um, I always tell uh, whenever like that corrective routine that they'll get after their initial consultation or their initial uh, their initial uh, TPI screen. I tell them, do this screen before your workouts, do it before you go hit balls, do it before you uh, play any round of golf. Not only will it warm you up and you'll be less likely to get injured, you will also be working on those correctives at the same time. So we're just taking out two birds with one stone here. Just being, making sure that your body is properly warmed up so that you don't have to worry about warming up on the range or warming up the first few holes. Your body's already ready. Now you just got to strategize on how you, um, on, uh, on your game from there. Right. And just like in an instructional uh, time with a coach, uh, we have to, if we go through this assessment and are serious about trying to improve what our weaknesses are, we have to be, as you said, consistent but you also have to do it more than once or twice a week. You've got to do it almost every day. Right. Yeah. A lot of, a lot, I saw this in uh, the general population uh, clientele and I, I see it in golf too, is that some people will do it about three or four times and then they're not seeing the results that they want. So they think it's not working. It's, no, right. it's, it's working. It, it, it takes longer than a week. Yeah. I mean, um, if you, yeah. Right. If you've been playing golf for 10 years, 20 years or 30 years and you've been doing this thing that the assessment says that you need improvement, in, it is not going to change in two weeks. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. We are such a, a society of convenience. We want it right now. And it just doesn't happen. So instant, gra instant gratification. Yes, sir. That's it. That's it. So does it matter if you're young or if you're in that older stage where things just aren't working as they used to? So um, it, it definitely does depend. Um, when uh, I, I work with uh, a couple a couple kids um, back in my hometown, um, and they're starting to see uh, improvement after two, three weeks. With the older, popu with the older population, they're – ability to recover and their ability to um to adapt it takes a little bit longer 
Mm-hmm. But it's but you'll still get the you still get those results. Like I said, it's still it's just gonna take it's gonna take a little bit longer than it would uh, if you were you know twenty twenty five years old. Right. All right. Give us your website so our listeners can go to it and uh, uh, give you a call for. And I think the assessment is a very necessary thing to find out about your body and about what you maybe anticipate or think that you have issues with, but you're really zeroing in on those. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's very, very important. Um, yeah. yeah, So my website, um, I don't have a website, but I have a, uh, I I do have a, a link that you can go to, to schedule appointments with me. It's, uh, Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y.com forward slash T Smith golf dash training. Okay. Give it to us one more time. Yes, sir. Uh, Calendly C A L E N D L Y dot com forward slash T Smith golf dash training. Well, Trevor, I mean, what you're doing, I think is so important because there's a lot of fitness folks out there that really don't understand the game of golf and it's little things that you can help us with that will help us improve our game and enjoy it for a longer period of time and improve those weaknesses. You've got to have at least a couple of folks that have said, what you've done for me is just amazing. And I thank you for it. Yes, sir. Yeah. So that, that would be to me the, the ultimate of what you would want just to see your hips open up the way that they're supposed to. You're, you're able to get back the way you're supposed to. So, Trevor, I can't thank you for being with us enough. Uh, I appreciate it. Good luck in, in this new endeavor for you, this next step. And uh, we wish you all the success. Thanks, Rich. And thank you again for having me. It means a lot to me. Hi, I'm Allison Fillmore. I'm the Vice President of Business Development for the PGA Tour. And you are listening to the Back Nine Boys podcast. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Thanks for being with us. We are on the phone with Roger Schiffman and Dr. Patricia Donnelly, uh, both of which are involved very heavily in an organization that uh, I think is great called Fairways for Freedom. Roger and Dr. Patricia, thank you for being with us. Our pleasure. It's very Thanks nice for inviting us. Nice to have have um, the invitation and thank you for, for having us. So tell us how you got involved uh, with this Fairway for Freedom uh, charity? Well, it's a long story. We'll try to give you the, the short version. Okay. Um, I was with Golf Digest as the managing editor for more than 30 years. Um, my wife, Dr. Patricia Donnelly, is a sports psychotherapist and a nutritionist. And uh, we both got to go on a trip to Ireland back in 2013. Um with uh, Golf Digest Irish Tours. And the trip was um, a way of launching that that company. And the owner um, said he wanted to bring some combat injured veterans over there to, to help launch this program. So we helped him recruit the veterans. We got to go. I reported on it. Uh, Patty did uh, yoga and, and uh, mindfulness sessions with the veterans on the trip. And uh, we met some unbelievable people and uh, pretty much changed our lives. When we, went, when we went on the trip, we thought we were just helping out our friend, Linton Walsh, who was launching the travel company. 
And we thought, well, this this will be a great trip. And Roger was helping him organize the golf. And I had just become certified in a kind of yoga that was put together for people with PTSD, mm-hmm. specifically veterans. It was um, it was begun in the um, West Haven, Connecticut VA hospital. And I just thought that sounded very interesting. And when I heard about this trip, I said, well, great, you know, I, I can do yoga with the veterans. Um, but as Roger said, the, the trip truly changed our lives. There was one individual in particular who told us very matter of factly that if it weren't for golf, he would have taken his life. Oh, wow. And it was Roger and I just kind of looked at each other. And that night we decided we're going to have to keep doing trips like this. And and we did. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we did them for a while with our friend Linton. Mm-hmm. And what happened is Patty and I are members of a club in the northwest of Ireland, way far northwest. The, the Republic of Ireland, but. But um, way far up. And kind it's kind of north of Northern Ireland. Right. It's called Bally Liffin. They have 36 holes. It's nothing but great links golf in the sea. That's all you did. That's all you see. And the GM there told us, hey, why don't you bring your, your veterans up to uh, to Valley Lift and we'd love to host you. So we went to Linton and we said, we'd like to do that. And Linton said, no, that's too far away from Dublin. I don't want to do it. It, it. it is about a three and a half, four hour drive up there. So Patty and I said, well, let's just do it ourselves. So we did it and we decided to launch our own charity to do it. And and uh, it's called Fairways for Freedom. And uh, gosh, seven years later, eight years later, nine years later, we're still doing these trips. Uh, I think the Sea Island trip will be our 25th trip that we've done with combat injured veterans. Wow. And the, way the trips are structured. Patty recruits veterans for the trip. And I recruit what we call ambassadors who come on the trip and partly sponsor the veterans. What we charge the ambassadors doesn't fully cover all of our costs so we do other fundraising activities to to supplement that but but basically it's a way for for golfers who want to give back a, a little bit and uh, might want to go on a nice trip at the same time to say ireland or scotland or england or a u.s destination um can come on a trip and sponsor a veteran at the same time so that's how they work and uh like i said we've been this will be our 24th trip the, the trip to Sea Island is really only for veterans only. We're really calling that more a, a retreat, a veterans retreat. There'll, there'll not be any ambassadors on that trip. It's just uh, um, Dave Ulrich, who is a Purple Heart veteran and lives since Simon's Island. He he's helped to uh, raise some money on the on the side from different organizations there around Sea Island to help pay for this trip. So we didn't really need to to reach out to ambassadors for this one. And he also had a 5K race right. on Veterans Day. Right, right. So contributed. Exactly. Well, I mean, I think what you're doing is fantastic. Um, I, mean, I know in your uh, website, you call it the war after the war. Um, um, that is, um, I just think, great things of what you all are doing uh, with the golf and the yoga and the uh, opportunity to get together. Tell us more about what's going to go on at Sea Island in the event that you're going to have coming up starting um, February 25th, I believe. Correct. 
Well, you're right, Rich. The, the golf um, is wonderful. Roger would not have it anything less than than five star. Um, and, and the yoga is wonderful too. But I, I think the most important part of the trip are the sessions that I hold with the veterans. So each day we put aside some time where the veterans and I, and sometimes we'll have another psychologist along with us. Uh-huh. Um, there's a psychologist who actually runs a VA center out in California in Santa Rosa, who's I think nationally regarded expert on PTSD. Um, he often comes, but I honestly think when when we get together in that group, and that is that is just just for the veterans. The um, when we have ambassadors, they do not come. And what you know, I usually the first thing I say to them is, I feel as if my work is done once we're all in that room together. Oh because it's a fairly complex vetting process and only those veterans that both need help um, and are willing to get help and are willing to actively participate uh, will continue to fill out the application. Right. In a way they select themselves. (coughs) And when we get together, I say that I know they don't know each other, but of course there's just the fact that they are all combat injured gives them such a strong bond. And Rich, I have seen over and over again that within, oh, maybe 20 minutes sometimes, the veterans will be sharing things with each other that they have not told anyone They haven't told their spouse. They haven't told their friends. They haven't told their therapists, but they will tell each other. Wow. And honestly, I think that's where the magic happens. That's incredible. And in that bonding. Yeah. And do you feel that some of these uh, veterans that you're talking with, when they get in a group like this, kind of think, you know, I'm not the only one that thinks this way. I'm not the only one that feels this way. There are others. And now I can bond with these people and they're probably with each other. I mean, and and keep in contact with each other well after your event. And and I do. You're exactly right. And part of our mission has been to continue, continue this magic that happens afterwards, because we don't want to just say, okay, go have a nice life. But we, for example, we'll have someone, one of the veterans on each trip, sort of be the cohort leader, um, will continue text messaging with that with that group, okay. um, checking in. And what they will do, if there's something major, um, something to be applauded or maybe a red flag, then they'll let us know and, and we'll jump in and, and do what's appropriate. Right. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, there some of our veterans, especially, are are in parts of the country where there aren't other veterans, and it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are very young when they've been medically retired, and they're just kind of given, you know, a prescription and shown their way out the door. Right. 
the idea of having having community um, and this one-on-one, it's very powerful. Well, talk to us a little bit about the agenda for the uh, Sea Island trip. I know you're playing several courses, um, but give us some idea of what the agenda is going to be and the courses that you're going to play and how many people are coming as far as veterans. Well, as Patty likes to remind me, I, I call these I call these golf trips. Mm-hmm. Patty calls them healing trips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to me, uh, the golf is super important, but it's really not what drives the 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 week. Okay. Correct. So we start in the morning um, with a, a yoga session that, that Patty does um, from like 8.30 to 9.15 for like 45 minutes. And it's the veterans yoga that Patty's trained in. Then we'll, we'll can come and, yeah, and then we'll break for breakfast. And uh, then we'll have uh, Patty will do her group um, group session, discussion session, where they talk about various issues that they're dealing with. Okay. And then we'll um, have, a, have a little break. Uh, we'll we'll get some lunch, probably a box lunch, and we'll go to the golf course. Um, fortunately, at, on Monday at Sea Island, the um, the Sea Island teaching professionals are going to get together and give our veterans a, a clinic, which is that's really awesome. an introductory clinic. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be that's going to be um, at the Sea Island Performance Center. I think Gail Peterson and Joe Foley and Chrissy Felton and Jared Zach, um, maybe Jeff Nelson, those guys are good. They're going to get together and, and do a real nice job, I'm sure, for our veterans. We're going to have and, nine veterans all together on this trip. And they are incredible instructors. And even more so, they really buy into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate that. And yeah. I've known Gail for a long time through my my years at Golf Digest. You know, we used to do the Golf Digest schools at Sea Island. Right. Years right. And years. And I mean, I go way back to with Davis Love Jr. and, um, you know, Jimmy Hodges and right. you know, the whole tragedy. So, but anyway, um, after the clinic, then we're going to play at, at the, on the uh, plantation course. And then we'll return back to the end. At the end of the day, we'll go out to dinner. Um at a local restaurant. I believe we're going to Tremichi. Right. And, uh, and then we'll, then after dinner, we'll get back together and we'll do a, an activity. Um, sometimes we'll do a, a fireside chat where the veterans get together and just kind of talk casually. If we have ambassadors on the trip, we definitely do that where they'll talk to the ambassadors about their experiences and the ambassadors will give some advice from their experiences. If it's uh, whatever business they happen to be in, maybe it's an insurance expert is one of our ambassadors who will explain to veterans how they can get some better insurance rates or what kind of insurance they really should be looking for. Right. Um, we've had attorneys on our trip. They'll give them legal advice. Um, we've had doctors on our trip, medical doctors who'll give them, you know, medical advice. So it all depends on what the ambassador's expertise is in. And also right. sometimes some of the veterans with a field of expertise will also conduct a session. It might be on starting one's own business, um, I think this time one of the veterans is about to become a Tai Chi master and he's going to do an introductory session for us. So it's it's a lot of fun. And we, we try to keep the activities light and uh, upbeat. Um, we'll, we'll, we might do a putting tournament, for example, in the evening or a pitching contest, you know, with uh, everybody gets out there pitching wedge or sand wedge and we'll hit some balls around. Depends on what the facility is like. Right. Right. Um, well, 
And, and then uh, we're very fortunate to be going to Frederica on Wednesday. Um, you know, obviously that's an extremely private club. Um, the owner, uh, Jim Kaufman, has is, uh, been very gracious to, to host us there, along with one of their members, uh, Robert Carlin, Bob Carlin. So um, we're very fortunate um, to have some people who've, who've stepped up to the plate and supported what we're doing. We really appreciate that. And, well, and we also do uh, little competitions every day when we're playing golf. We'll, we might do a modified scramble format or, or a better ball uh, event. Uh, this time we'll have three foursomes um, and we'll, we'll have some, some prizes and we'll, we'll do competitions and give out the prizes at the, uh, at, you know, at dinner. And, uh, and because we're fairways for freedom, we like to stress the word fairways. So we keep track of whoever hits the most fairways for the day. And there's always a special prize for that person. But um, one of the things that uh, I think I wanted uh, to, to stress, and I'm sure Patty can talk to this, is... Yeah, uh, we've got about two minutes left. We have uh, a program for veterans uh, suicide prevention. It's called Play 18 for 22. Mm. As you know, 22 veterans are taking their lives every day in this country, which is a, an unacceptable statistic. So we're trying to do something to to fight that. Wow. It's, it's not really fundraising. It's more educational um, where we give out materials, things to look for, and things one can do if they suspect somebody is in that dark place. Right. So um, if anybody wants more information about Fairways for Freedom, they can go to our website. It's fairwaysforfreedom.us, fairwaysforfreedom.us, and they can see all the programs that we're, we're involved with. Uh, we have two more trips coming up later this year, one to Vermont in June and one to southwest southeast ireland in september looking for ambassadors for both of those trips and they can donate on that site um also if it's some some veteran that's interested in coming on a trip they mm -hmm. can contact us absolutely awesome. yeah well roger and patty i can't thank you enough for sharing with us what y'all are thank doing you. on fairways for freedom thank you for being with us on the back nine boys podcast thank you we're honored to be involved. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Rich. This is Mike Hicks, former caddy of Payne Stewart. You're listening to the Back Nine Boys podcast. We're with Jim Kelly, former sportscaster legend, um, lives in Park City. When you were a sportscaster, you did all the sports for CBS, for the various networks. Did you find it hard to go back and forth from the different sports? Well, first off, when you say former, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Good point. Excellent point. Thank you for being here. No, no, that'll, that'll keep my grandchildren very happy that I haven't gone yet. Uh, that's really a great question, uh, and, and nobody rich has ever asked that. I found in the early days that I really thrived on the variety, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Sure. I mean, I was lucky to do the NFL and have some great partners, you know, Dick Vermeil, Drew Pearson, Coach Stram, God bless him, uh, when I was doing football on CBS radio and TV, college basketball, I had Dick Vitale, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, um, I worked a little bit with Joe Theismann. So I had some uh, Gary Jobson on sailing. So I thrived on the variety of bouncing back and forth. And then 
87, 88, I got dropped into the golf chair at ESPN. I was actually doing Duke and uh, Maryland on a Saturday night basketball with Dick Vitale. At about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, the phone rang. It was Steve Bornstein, the president of ESPN. He said, how, do you, how would you feel if we dropped you into the golf chair next year? And I said, well, do I get a vote? He said, sure, you get a vote. We never counted, but you get a vote. <laughs> so they had already made the decision. So then when I started doing golf, basically 45 weeks a year, there was no more of the variety, but I found a new home, you know, with pros that I had known from doing golf on the radio, sure, sure. you know, Hubert Green, Johnny Miller, Tom Watson, who I knew all since they came out of college, you know, and then reconnected with others, you know, like Arnold, God bless him, and Jack and Gary and Lee, who I knew from doing golf on the radio. But it, that's really a, gr- a great question. I, mean, I, was, I did horse racing, you know, I mean, I was uh, a master of some and... Uh, and and not very good. <laughs> so which did you like the most? You spent a lot of time with golf, with a lot of the, but you had friends on all of them. That's an easy answer. The one I liked the most was where I was that weekend because that's that's where I was supposed to be. If I was at the Belmont, you know, with Bob Baffert and Point Given, you know, trying for the Triple Crown, then that's where I was supposed to be. If I was with Dick Vitale doing college hoops, Right. Or Mm -hmm. if I was, you know, doing golf, wherever they sent me, that's where I was supposed to be. You know, and I enjoyed that part of it. Well, you told here at the luncheon at the ING conference a story about Arnold. Could you repeat that again for our listeners? Uh, Give me a little hint. You're talking about uh, when he was playing at Park Meadows in the par five. Mm -hmm. So Park Meadows is my home course out in Park City, Utah. I moved there literally 20 years ago this June. And uh, we're about at 6,500 feet. Park Meadows, uh, private country club, but it's where we had the Champions Tour event, the Senior Tour event, had a variety of names because it's not a big market and we didn't have a lot of corporate support. Um, But it's also the golf course that Tom Weiskopf won on, that Tony Jacklin won on, Dr. Gil Morgan, and... uh, and Dave Stockton. So it was in the last couple of years of Arnold's playing career, and uh, the par five is a uh, risk-reward par five with a pond in front of it. Royce, his caddy, who'd been with him forever, and now is with Bushnell. And Rich, you see him at the PGA Merchandise sure. Show. And uh, Royce was encouraging Arnold to lay up, and Arnold just gave him that Palmer stare, and he pointed out to the right grandstands, the left grandstands, and the grandstands in the center. He goes, Royce, do you see all those people there? Royce nodded said, they didn't come here to see Arnold Palmer lay up. Hits it on the green, makes the eagle putt, Palmer roar. But Arnold, you know, there's no layup in that gentleman. All right, golf has been unbelievable since, obviously, Tiger's come on the Golf Channel, which Arnold was a very big part of. Uh, do you think that there is too much golf right now on TV or being covered or there's too many tournaments, there's not enough time for these guys to rest? Uh, now there's a major every month. I like the one major a month aspect. I think the PGA did a long overdue move because now, as you know, we've got the Masters in April, PGA in May, U.S. Open in June, and the British Open in July. I like that. The schedule was too long with a couple of meaningless events, not meaningless to the tour, but I don't work for the tour. Right. Um, 
you bring up an interesting point. I mean, the most meaningless stat in all of golf is the all-time money list. What does that mean? How much money would Arnold Palmer or Sam Snead have made? Sam still has the record with 82. Yet today's purses. I mean, a golfer now can be, you know, a top 15 golfer and make four to six million and never win a tournament all year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the motivation, you know, there is. Uh, the motivation is gone. I mean, when we started out on the uh, senior tour. An average tournament purse was $300,000 total purse, right? This is 1988 when Bob Charles was the leading money winner back to back, 87, 88. 300,000 for first, or uh, 300,000 total purse, 30, 20, and 10 for second and third. That was just the Champions Tour. But now you can be a zillionaire and never have to win a tournament. So a lot of the motivation is gone. I mean, you, you talk about right. the young guns. I mean, whether Spieth gets it back or not, Justin Thomas withdrew with the bad wrist from this week's PGA. But these guys have already banked six or eight million, and that's not counting the endorsements on their shirts and caps. Exactly. So the the money has uh, gotten astronomical and also meaningless. Yeah, I did an interview with Billy Casper for about an hour and a half, just him and I in a room by himself, and he said, "I won the British Open. I made six hundred dollars for winning. It cost me more than that to go over there, stay, and play. I never went back." I actually, in 2005, did a corporate outing at Augusta for AT&T, and each night it was a different golfer in the chair with me on stage for a different group of AT&T customers, and the Monday night customers spent less money with AT&T than the Tuesday and so on, (laughs) but Billy Casper, who I had known, lucky enough to know since 1970, my first year of doing golf on the radio, and he lived out in Utah, Utah. right, and I know his son Bob, who's got his own radio show. Billy was our guest, I think, on Tuesday night, and it was Billy and I in a, two leather chairs. And I got to tell you, I've seen a bunch of speakers, as have you, Rich. He had them laughing, and he had them in tears when he told the story of his son in prison mm-hmm. and visiting his son in prison. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen a better after-dinner speaker than Billy Casper that night. And that's not saying Ray Floyd wasn't great the next night and Gary Player wasn't great the different level. Billy Casper for an hour and 15 minutes had him laughing and crying and sitting on the edge of their seats and that was a true golfing gentleman. He was. Um, for to spend an hour and a half with him in a room and I asked him when you play golf who's your biggest competitor and he said whoever I'm playing. It didn't matter to him. No and try getting some of the youngsters now to sit down for 15 minutes let alone an hour and a half because some of them will say talk to my manager talk to my psychiatrist talk to my agent <laughs> talk to my shrink talk to my workout yeah yeah you know, i mean i'm sorry what is this appointment uh, yeah you know what i'm saying i do yeah I do. gone are the days when you sit around the locker room and have a cold one and just tell stories and listen i actually had a chance to play 18 holes of golf with johnny unitas in Cary, north carolina unbelievable the stories that he was telling but it was just him and i playing golf and it never happened again i got to meet johnny unitas at the pro-am draw party in baltimore one year for a tournament that we were doing and obviously i grew up and bobby lane was one of my boyhood idols growing up in toledo played for the lions but number 19 one of the greatest of all time but Mm -hmm. when and this was 
toward the end of Johnny's uh, life, but when you shook hands with him, if you recall, the hands and the knuckles, I mean, it was like a bad rake at Home Depot. I mean, it, the, nothing was connected, and right. that was from football and injuries. Right. Right. And you look at some of the greats now, Butkus and the guys that are having trouble walking. I mean, yeah. it's, it's exactly. sad. It is. It's a different game. It is. Jim, thank you for taking time to be with us. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, Rich. We're with John Smoltz, Hall of Famer, World Series winner, and uh, winner on, uh, on golf tours. All right, got to ask you this question. You've won a World Series. You're in the Hall of Fame. You've won a golf tournament. How do you compare the three? Well, the biggest thing is when you're a player on a team, you got team sports and you have team goals, you want to win a championship. And there's not, it's rare that one individual can carry the whole team to a championship. So accomplishing that in an individual standpoint, qualifying for the U.S. Senior Open was by far one of the greatest things I've ever been part of. Uh, winning a golf tournament is something that takes a long time to do. Can't win it on the first day, can't win it on the second day. You have to really play good for four rounds, and I'm learning how to do that. But from a baseball uh, grind aspect, you know teammates can bail you out, teammates can hurt you. It's really a, more of a, a, of an, a polar opposite um, spectrum when you're talking about golf elements, win, things you can't control, individual tension. Sure. Those things I've learned and appreciate so much more having played in tournaments than standing on a mound in front of 45,000 people, three two-count bases loaded. I feel way more at home there. I know we're at the Bridgestone at Drive Shack in Orlando, and you were talking about baseball, that you used to try and plan the schedule. You had nothing to do with the baseball schedule, but it was important because you wanted to also play golf. Yeah, I looked at the schedule every year. I knew when I was going to pitch every five days, and I could plan my golf accordingly. I'd look at the weather all the time. Certainly, certain parts of the country are more conducive at certain times of the year. The West Coast was always a dream because you knew you were going to play. Right. And then when you timed the the East Coast, uh, some of those great golf courses, a lot of it had to do with the weather. And, uh, man, what a what an incredible journey that we were able to partake in to play the high quality of baseball in most of our career and, and enjoy the fruits of that work and labor in between to play golf and have a manager that understood that that would do nothing to take away from our sport was truly special. Yeah, Bobby kind of gave you a lot of freedom as to opportunities to play 36 holes in a day. He did. Spring training was one, get in, get out, get your work in. He didn't believe in hanging around around and doing any time killer stuff and when it was on the road he just said be smart and be ready to do what you need to do when it's your time to pitch and, and that, was, that was as good as it gets uh, you talked earlier about uh, playing golf with Tiger 35 times but you also talked about playing the Tiger and Annika what was that like for you well that was seeing the uh, two greatest golfers at that time and watching them you know Annika had never played with Tiger before she was getting ready to play in, in a men's event and she was nervous like anyone would be to play with a, a guy like Tiger from the same tees. I was just in, in awe on how they picked each other's brains and what they were able to look at and work on at the range. It was unlike anything anyone could ever see. Uh, TV did it no justice and uh, what a treat that has been for me to play on multiple occasions with them both and truly uh, a, a blast. 
Is Tiger as much of a cut-up as some people say that he is? Not a lot of people know him, probably like you do, or, or his posse around him, but is he, is he as much fun? Absolutely. This is one of the most fierce competitors. He loves to compete, loves to cut it up, and if you do it... He to loves the, to get in your head. Oh, my gosh. And I used <laughs> to warn people, every time I'd bring them to go play golf with them at, in Orlando, I said, don't talk trash. You're going to lose. Don't fire any... Don't poke the bear. And they just couldn't help themselves. So what is it about the game of golf now that baseball's over? And you said your hips were kind of bothering you, but what is it about the game of golf that you love? I just think it's about the integrity of you and no one else. I mean, you could play by yourself and decide to move the ball and cheat and make your own score, or you can play by yourself. And, and honestly, each day with the elements the way they are, you never know, is that going to be the day for my career best? You know, par is exactly that, but everyone's trying to shoot and break par. For me, golf is more of, of an opportunity to get away. No one's running up asking for an autograph. No one's trying to take your time. It's your it's your little subtlety of three to four hours uh, of, of kind of like peace. And, and yeah, some, some tough shots and some angry mo- moments. But being able to get over it and, 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 and accomplish the next shot is what makes the great ones great. One more question. What are your goals for golf for John Smoltz? My goals are to see how high I can get or how good I can get and how long I can play. I want to play this game as long as I possibly can. I don't want age to determine how I view the game. I know the game will change the older I get. I won't be able to do some of the things I used to do. Yep. But I want to be able to play this great game as long as possible, and that means taking care of my body and adapting with the times. You've been listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show with Rich Styles. Go to backnineboys.com for all things golf whenever you want it. We'll be back next week with an all-new Back Nine Boys at backnineboys.com.